0: Good morning. I'm not going to let you rest so quickly. Some of you are tired of standing for 30 minutes. Lord, have mercy on you. You just got to church. Tell your neighbor, it's good to see you. Tell your other neighbor, I'm tired of being distanced from you. You can shake their hand and give them a high five. You can hug them if you have faith. Man. It's a good time to be alive. If you don't think it's a good time to be alive, maybe you're watching the news too much because uh, God's news is good news. In fact, the gospel is, uh, it means good news. Uh, remember when the angel showed up to Mary, he said, I got good news for you. And Jesus has good news for the church no matter what season it might be, no matter what year it is, no matter what's going on, if there's riots in Vancouver, and Portland, God has good news. Jesus is is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has been given all authority. His name has been lifted up to the highest place. The Bible promises that every knee shall bow, every tongue may confess. God did not leave us now here on earth as orphans. He said it's better that I leave. That word better means advantage. We've been given an advantage. If the devil had advantage before Christ died, now after Christ's death and Jesus leaving, giving us the Holy Spirit, we have an advantage. We have the upper hand. We have an advantage. So tell your neighbor you have the advantage. It is a good time to be alive. I don't know why you guys are here dancing here in the front row. I said it's a good time to be alive and these guys are starting to dance like they hear hip hop in their in-ear system. Think about the time that Joseph had to live in. How many people were afraid and maybe thinking, man, why was I born in this time, but Joseph knew that God had called him for that time that he was living in. Or when Moses was alive and all of God's people were under heavy oppression. And Moses understood in the wilderness that God was calling him. Are you here? How about Nehemiah? In the time that he was living, the the walls of Jerusalem and the temple itself, everything was destroyed. And God placed Nehemiah in a a position where he began to see and had a heart that was crying out to God saying, God, what could I do? And God began to raise him up. Or Esther, Esther, when she was in the court of the king and maybe not understanding what was happening, but Mordecai having wisdom from God and seeing her was able to speak into her life and say, maybe it's such a time as this that God had determined for you to be here and maybe God wants to use you to bring an answer to God's people. In every single season, in every time in the era, God always has People that he's raising up to use, that his kingdom would be established, that his will would be done. And God has given us the advantage. He has given us his Holy Spirit, which we celebrate today. We have the Holy Spirit that we've been baptized in, we have an advantage. Not only did Christ die and was raised again, but he left to the Father and he gave us his Holy Spirit. And I realize like never before in this season of my life that you can get used to the Holy Spirit. You can neglect the Holy Spirit. You can hurt the Holy Spirit. It's not enough for him just to be in us. He wants to lead us. He wants to lead us in our life. And I believe in this time that we are living, like never before, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to hear the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Just like you can dole a knife, you can dole the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can dole his voice. And I want to be in a place in this season of my life where I hear I hear and I am led by the Holy Spirit. I don't dole out His voice. I don't grow numb to His voice. I want Him to lead me. It's not enough for Him just to fill my temple. He wants to lead me. Israel had to be led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. It wasn't enough just to see the pillar. You have to follow it. And I believe we're living in a time where the church, it's not enough for the Holy Spirit just to be here and fill us and give us great services. He wants to lead us, and his leading is our advantage. His voice is our advantage. His whisper is our advantage. It's not just power for me to preach a good message. It's his leading in my life, which is my advantage. What good is a good sermon if I don't know what to do next? The Holy Spirit, I have so I know what to do next, so I know what's coming, so we know what's gonna be happening. We're not waiting for more news. We have the news and we have the Holy Spirit to lead us farther. Can we begin to pray together before we sit down? I want us to begin to pray and just raise our voice. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you that we are here that we are your people, that you promise in your word never to leave us and never to forsake us. God, we thank you that you're here. You're here in your presence. You're here, God, among us. We thank you, God, this is not just any building. This is your church. These are your people, and you are here, God. And we call on you this morning. We want you to fill us this morning. We thank you, God, when we read in Acts how the church begin to pray, and you begin to fill your church. Father, we are raising our voice, and we're crying out, because we don't want to just hear another sermon. We don't want to just be here to see one another. We want your Holy Spirit to fill us. We want your Holy Spirit to visit us. We want your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to convict us if we need. It, to speak to us in our life and where we are. We need your Holy Spirit to come upon all of us here in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to raise your voice, begin to pray in the holy language that you received. bababababashiribokuturamba your body might be weak but the spirit of God is willing allow the Holy Spirit to begin to fall through you right now open your mouth, begin to pray it's our responsibility to begin to open our mouth and pray and allow him to fill you hallelujah
1: Sharamassan teraba ri baba 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 Sharamassan teraba baba 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 boka to raba Sharamassan teraba baba baba
0: Lift your voice, lift your voice. I know it might be a while since you've been here, maybe a while since you prayed. Come on, lift your voice. God is calling us right now to begin to pray. God is calling us right now to intercede. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to lead you right now in your prayer, begin to fill your mouth, begin to fill your soul, begin to fill your mind, begin to fill your heart. Shut up my center ababababakiri baba ribassanterabababakiri bokuturamba shut up my center ababababakiri bokuturamba let's go deeper let's go deeper come on let this place begin to shake as we begin to pray shut up my center abababakiri bokuturamba ribassanterambaababakiri in the name of jesus in the name of Jesus shut up Riba to that baba. baba kiri boku I just want you to walk over to one of your neighbors. If you're standing next to your wife, you can put your arm around her. If you have a neighbor next to you, just come closer to him. I want us to begin to pray for one another right now. Before we hear the Word of God, I believe someone's soul needs to be quieted, someone's mind needs to be given peace. Right now, begin to pray for one another in Jesus' mighty name. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And we pray right now every, every spirit of fear, every, every irritation, everything that's bothering us, everything that's making us worry, right now we speak the peace of God, the power of God, the love of God over one another in Jesus' mighty name. Every heart that might be worried, every person that might be afraid right now for those things to leave this place in Jesus' mighty name. Leave our mind, leave our heart, leave our soul, leave our spirit in Jesus' mighty name. We declare the peace of God. We declare the victory of God. We declare the power of God. We declare the love of God. We thank you, Jesus. Riba Santerababa, Baba, Baba,
1: Baba, 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 kiribaba Baba, 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 Il passa to n'amba po po po
0: Father God, we thank you for one another. We thank you for each person, even those watching online, and we bless one another in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have given us, which is not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you, God, so much. That this is dominion this is authority this is us walking in the things that you have given to us God we thank you Lord so much we thank you so much if any person here has been moved in this season has been shaken in this season has been worrying or afraid we thank you for your Holy Spirit that God gives them power your Holy Spirit that gives them a sound mind that gives them love God we thank you so much Lord we thank you we have nothing to fear because you are with us we thank you Lord so much that greater is your power than the power of this world. Greater is your power, God, than the power of the enemy. Greater is your power, God, than even the power of our government. We thank you for the power of God that has been given to us, your church, and we bless one another in Jesus' mighty name to walk in this power, to not just be used, God, in these ways, but God, to be established as your sons, to be established as your children. We bless one another in Jesus' mighty name, and we thank you, God, so much. We thank you for your peace that guards our mind guards our heart our soul and who we are we thank you so much lord for what you're doing in this time that we get to live in in jesus mighty name and everybody said hallelujah. amen give god a mighty shout and take a seat hallelujah take now you can take a seat now you can take a seat hallelujah And you know, I want to say this again. It is good to be alive in this time. The kids are excited. It is good to be alive in this time. You know, we, let me prove it to you, we, we didn't choose to be alive in this time. Now, I know your mom and dad got married and had a honeymoon and and eventually you came to be. But it was not by the desire of man, but God's will that we come into, into life in the time that we come into it. David had an understanding of this in Psalms where he begins to write, he's like, listen, before any day had passed, God, you already knew me before all those days. In fact, you're the one that wound, knit me together in my mother's womb. You're the one that put me together. You know all the days of my life before any day had had come to pass. And you're the one that knew me before anyone had come to know me. So it is great to be alive in this time. Well, how can you say that? Because God decided for you to be alive in this time. And if God decided for you to be alive in this time, it's a good time to be alive. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't think to make you and then all oh, snap, I didn't know that this is all gonna start happening, I shoulda put you in another time. No, in the time that we get to live right now, it is a good time to be alive because this time God determined for us to be alive and I'm here not because of only my parents but because God decided I should be here. That's good news. Right here in Washington, Vancouver, 98662. Right here, God decided for me to be here. Well, maybe we should move to a safer state. No, God decided for me to be here. I should move somewhere where it's more calm, less liberal. God decided for me to be right here. I don't know how many people keep telling me I need to move somewhere, I ain't going anywhere. If God tells me to go somewhere, I'll go, but for now I'm right here, whether you like it or not. Right here, in Washington, on the West Coast, in the middle of everything that's going on, God decided for us to be here. You know, God formed Adam in Genesis. Genesis starts that within the beginning, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then we go down a few verses and God begins to make us in his image. What's interesting is he makes us in our image, makes us in his image, and he places us where he wants us to be. When he formed Adam, watch this. When he formed Adam, and I know maybe we've read this so many times we've got so used to this and I get used to this. But when he made Adam, he placed him in Eden. When God made Adam, he placed him in Eden. Now I know we can choose our careers and even choose the neighborhood we live in. But I believe outside of our choosing that there's also the will of God. I believe that besides the plans that I make and the way that I prepare, there's also God's way. There's a job that you can have, but also a job that you have that you understand God gave to you. Now, I'm thankful for the career that I have because I believe God gave it to me. And why I'm so certain of this is because I asked God to give me a career that would not pull me away from the things that he had for me. I don't want to be just making money and getting rich and buying houses and cars. I wanted a job that would allow me to still serve him. And that my priority is to serve him outside of the job that I've been given. I believe God can give us things that we ask and God places us in positions. It's not just the things that we want and the things that we choose, but when we come under his will, I believe God puts us in a place and gives us the things that he wants us to have and puts us in the place that he wants us to be in. Do you hear me out? God made Adam and he placed him in Eden. So I think outside of my choosing, I can also choose the things that God has. I can come under the will of God and be in the place that God wants me to be. Someone was asking someone that was moving away and nothing wrong with moving away. Nothing wrong with moving to a new place. When we feel the leading of God, or when God has spoken to us, whether it's a third world country or it's a different state. But someone was sharing about the news of them leaving and one of the brothers asked him, he said, are you leaving because God told you to leave? He said, what do you mean? He says, and he uses some scriptures where, you know, it says when you see see bad things happening, you gotta run to safer places. And that scripture is, is fine, but he, he made his point in saying, listen, I know maybe things are rough here or things that we see right now with our eyes and we're trying to make the right decisions. But besides what we see with our human perspective, there's God's perspective and there's God's will and there's God's plans. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be where God wants me to be. Because it's better to be where God wants you to be than any other place that you might choose. It's better to be right in the will of God. It's better to be right in the purpose of God. It's, it's better to know, God, I know things ain't happening the way I expected them to. And I'm not seeing things work out the way I wanted them to. But I trust that where I am is where you want me to be. And I am under this conviction. And this is what I choose to do in my life. I will not move unless you tell me to move. The words of Moses to, to, to God on the mountain. He said, God, if you don't go before us, we're not going because there's no point for us to go. And I believe, I believe this is the right kind of attitude that we need to have in this time that we live in. Don't be moved until God moves before you. Don't make a decision until God makes it clear to you on what you should do. And when God made Adam, he placed him in the garden. I gotta keep going. He placed him in the garden of Eden where it was good for him to be. Where he needed to be. It's interesting that in Corinthians, when Paul talks about the church, he, uh, he gives us this, this um, comparison of the church as a body. And he says, every person in the body, uh, every, every, every member in the body has a place. Are you here? Every member in the body has a place. And he begins to explain how on our body we have many members, but they make up one body. Every member has a function, has a place, has a role, has something it does, and therefore our body begins to function. Now he continues to say that the Holy Spirit has given each of us a place. And we're not going to go farther to what he says next. We're going to stay here for a little bit. It says he, give, he gave us a place within his body. When God formed Adam, he put him in the garden and he gave him a place. And in this place, God had willed for him to be. In this place, God had given him a purpose. Now how many of you know you can live, but you can also live with purpose? You can just get by in the season, or you can thrive in your season. You can just wait, or you can begin to move. You can just say, God, I don't know what's next, or you can begin to ask God, God, I wanna know what's next, I wanna begin to do what you want me to do. And God gave Adam a place, and in that place, he gave him a purpose. And I think this is where some of us have missed it that the purpose is not just me being here in attendance because I can be in attendance, but be absent from the place that God has for me. I can be present here in the congregation, but be absent in the purpose that God has for my life. And I have have been convinced in my life that I will always, always be empty, not feel fulfilled, feel like I'm lacking something in my life, never completely satisfied, always searching for more not content where I am, if I am outside of the purpose of God in my life. When a a person is outside of the purpose of God in their life, they will always be looking for something to fill, that purpose, but that purpose cannot be filled with anything else other than the purpose that God has for you. Now, besides God giving him a place, God gave him a purpose, and it's interesting that when Paul continues to explain how the body works and how the body functions and how all we play a role, we have our place in the body, we have our purpose in the body because we have a place in the body. But besides the purpose, we've been given power to fulfill the purpose in the place that I am in. And every person every person in the Bible that fulfilled their purpose, we see them doing it not by their own strength, not by their own wisdom, but by the power of God. Are you here? Think about Esther. When Esther was in the court of the king, the Bible says she was afraid and she had to come to the king to ask him for something. And just coming to him, coming in his court without being invited, she could have been killed. And what she begins to do, and she says, Mordecai, I need you to spread the word. I want you and others to begin to pray and to begin to fast. And in praying and in fasting, she begins to ask God for help. And three days they take a prayer and they take a fast. Three days they're seeking God for help, for guidance, for strength on what to do next. And at the end of the three days of fasting and prayer, it says that she and her maidservants, those that were around her and herself, were fasting and praying. And on the third day, she entered the court of the king. And what's crazy, when she entered the court of the king in this position, there was favor on her. And what she asked for was granted to her. You know, sometimes what you hear people say when you tell them, listen, God has a purpose for your life and God wants to use you in your life. And, 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 and God doesn't just want you to live or just be at church or attend a church that God has specific plans for your life. Can somebody tell me? Amen? amen. God has a specific plan. I'm not just, I'm not preaching to the choir. I want you to hear it again. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a place for you, and God has reserved power for you to function in the purpose you have in the place that she put you in. Are you here? And sometimes when you talk to somebody about this, one of the things that you'll, hear, you'll often hear them say is, well, I don't think God can use me. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Tell your neighbor, it don't matter what you've been through. You don't don't know my previous experience in church. You don't know how I got stabbed in the back. You don't know how I got betrayed. You don't know all all the wrong things I did, how I, I I haven't been a faithful follower of Christ. You don't know the things I've, I've done in my life and I don't know how God can use me and why God would use me. And I think so much, so much of of us believing that God can use me is hinged on how I perform and what I've done or have not done or the ability I have to do the things that I think or maybe God can use me in. But Paul said, Paul says in one of, the, in one of these, I'm not going to quote this verse, I'm just going to cite, I'm going I'm to kind of just say it in my own words. Paul says, we have been enabled by God to be ministers of the new covenant. one of my favorite verses in the Bible. We have been enabled by God to be ministers of the new covenant. This ain't you putting a suit and tie on. This ain't you memorizing a sermon or singing a cute song. You have been enabled by God to be a minister of the new covenant. And the only, the only thing that gave you a right to be a minister of the new covenant is the covenant that Christ made with himself. This is crazy. Watch this. The covenant that we step into with God, the one that we do communion, you know when we do communion, we break the bread and we drink the wine. The Bible says that we break the bread because it's the remembrance of what he did for us and we drink the wine of the new covenant that we have been brought into. And the thing about the new covenant is not what I have done, it's what he did for me that I have believed and stepped into. Hear me out. The covenant he made with himself. Christ said, It was the Father's desire to give me a body, that not with a lamb or with a goat you would be redeemed, but through my blood you would be redeemed. And Peter recites this in the first book of Peter. He says, not by lamb and not by goats have we been redeemed, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Are you still here with me? Come on. Please stay with me. We're getting somewhere. So I've been brought in to a new covenant this new covenant Christ made with himself. He made a covenant with the Father by his own body and by his own blood. And he brought me into this covenant. Now, I wish we were just a little bit more excited. Um, But maybe I'm not smiling enough. I keep my face serious. People are like, man, why is he so mad? <laughs> I'm not mad, y'all, I'm just preaching. Um, everybody everybody growing up was so scared of my dad because his relaxed face was like, like, I don't know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger serious face. It was like no joke. So every friend that would come over to my house, they're like, dude, what? And my dad you know, my dad would say something to me in Russian, you know? you know, like, how are, how are you? And it, it looked like he, my friend's like, dude, why is your dad mad? What'd you do to him? I'm like, he's asking how I am. <laughs> and, I, and, and and if I'm under her, I'm like, boss, you're not mine. They know they no. just I just run up with my friend. And my 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 friends will always be like, dude, your dad is always so mad. And y'all always conversate like you are uh, deciding world world issues. No, I'm like, no, he's just relaxed. And so um some of, some of his facial appearances have passed on to me and even my daughter Anastasia, because we have people in the youth that are afraid of my daughter Anastasia and she's four. Uh, because when she looks at them, they're like, this girl ain't no joke. And her dad is George and her great grandpa is, is her grandpa's George the senior. And so, uh, not a family to mess with, but I don't know why I went on that tangent, but just relax. It's good to be here. Okay. Hallelujah. Um, I think we're going to get a little bit more excited. The covenant is important because it's the right that I have received. Um, yeah, y'all saying yes, but stay with me. Um, God, God does God doesn't do everything. God doesn't do any. Excuse me. God doesn't do anything outside of the laws and principles that He's already set. What proves this to us is God said, "I put my word above my name. I put my word above my name." So the things that He has already the bonds and the cords and the principles and the, and the laws that he's already instituted, he functions by those very laws. It doesn't limit him, it proves that he is God. Are you here? So like, uh, this blew my mind, check this out. When we, when we took, and I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna blame it on Adam and Eve, I'm gonna say when we, took, when we took the apple or the fruit, whatever it was, off the tree, what was done had to be redone because it was the law of God. And what's crazy is uh, we have New Testament writers that give us this correlation of what was taken off the tree had to be put back on it. Hence, when we were cursed, Christ had to become the curse by hanging on that tree again. So there was nothing God doesn't function outside of. He functions within the principles and the laws that he's already set. Now, when we messed up, the Bible says in Romans that we became disobedient. And our disobedience allowed sin to enter our life, and through sin, death entered into our life. Are you here? Now calling you a sinner is not an insult. It's just the reality. We got a generation right now running from reality because they are offended at the slightest thing that you might say to them. It is not offensive to tell someone that they are a sinner. It is the reality of their condition. Now, obviously we need to do, we need to do this with love. You just walk around downtown Portland screaming everyone is a sinner, you might get beat up. But when you, have a, when you have a genuine, casual conversation with someone and you begin to explain to them what it means to be a sinner and that it's not an insult and not something we have to run from but a reality that we have to be aware of that allows us to come to Christ. i got to stay on topic. The Bible says that we became sinners through one man's disobedience. And sin entered the world and through sin death entered the world. And so the devil had the advantage, he had a right. He had a right to take our life. He had a right to destroy our future. He had a right to destroy who we are. I don't know about you, but when I came to God, I was broken because sin does a lot of damage in our life. It's not just something that we see on TV and in the movies that's so enjoyable and pleasurable. Yes, there's a part of that, but, but Hollywood does a really bad job of showing the other side, is that the same sin that you can enjoy and have pleasure from is the same sin that destroys our life. It destroys who we are, it destroys how we think, it destroys our character, it destroys our manhood, it destroys being a woman, it destroys us. Anybody here know what's, what it's like to be a sinner? Yeah, some of y'all professionals. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I ain't pointing fingers. Um, you know, Paul, Paul, Paul had, Paul had uh, sometimes the revelation of Christ in our life is not just how great he is, it's also a revelation of how much we suck. <laughs> we don't talk about this enough. Um, I'm gonna talk about this because I need to talk about this and remind myself that without Christ, I am a filthy, miserable, angry, lustful, prideful, arrogant piece of flesh. Y'all thought I was gonna cuss. Get that word out of your mouth and out of your mind, somebody. And Paul, Paul, at the understanding of who Christ was, remember this. He says, "I'm the greatest sinner." I am the greatest sinner. Of all sinners, I am the greatest sinner. Because he is not, it's the man that's not living in sin. It's a man that understands the righteousness of Christ that he has received and therefore sees the sinner that he is. It's like Isaiah crying out for his people. He's like, God, forgive them. I'm the only one. Where are your men and women of God? Here I am, Lord. And the Bible says when the presence of God came upon him, he stopped praying for his nation and started praying for himself, asking God to cleanse him. It's in the presence of God and when we come to know Christ that we see who he is and we also begin to see who we are in a greater measure. And if you're a parent, nothing does that better than your child. And all the parents said amen. Because you think you're holy and patient. Someone, someone just, we were on a trip to Arizona right now with some people and friends and from our church and stuff. And someone tells me, George, you're so patient. Because we were, we were teaching people how to wake surf. And we were, you know, I'm standing on the boat and the person falls 17 times and you got to tell them the same thing and hope that they do a different thing. And I don't know how that works, but you just trust in God and that they will be raised from the water. And, and uh, you give them the same simple instruction, but they do the same dumb thing. And, and someone on the boat's like, George, you're so patient. And I'm, you know, and, and I, I, I have to be honest, I did not uh, say thank you because in that, in this particular season, with my kids being uh, so wonderful uh, and obedient and calm and patient, and and, and I, I just love them so much, they're in Kingdom Kids, thank God. Uh, but uh, I realize uh, the the patient man that people think I might be, I, I see nothing but impatience in my life, and my kids bring that out of me. <laughs> Sirs, Thank you for being the one honest man, and we're going to get lunch today. That's my brother right there. We have a right, but the right is not how perfect I am, and this is no excuse or right to do the wrong thing. Remember, we always want to lean on one side. We always want to lean to the side that's beneficial for us. Like Paul's talking to the church. He's like, listen, you've received grace. But then he has to tell the other, but grace does not give you a right to sin. Because as soon as people got excited about grace, they started thinking they can do whatever they want. And he says, no, you have grace, but it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. And we we always wanna lean to one side. And I see this lean in my life that when I'm performing well before God or before people, I think that I have a, a more right to be used by him. But the right I have to be used by him or to know my place, to know my purpose, to have his power upon my life is not how right I am. It's how much I'm in him who is right. It's how much I've come to know what he's done and be in him and what he's accomplished for me. And this is what's crazy is when I come to know what he did for me, it begins to change me. Because when you think you're right and when you think you got it all put together, you will be prideful, you will be arrogant, you'll think you're better than people, you will look down upon your neighbor. But the Bible says, I'm not right because of what I've done. I'm right because of what he's done. And what this does to me is it keeps me, it keeps me. I don't do that well. You know when you're like supposed to stop and people are supposed to clap and you, and you go to the next thing and I don't, I don't, I don't know how they do that. But when you know who he is and what he's done and you come to him and you see him and in him you see yourself, it keeps the right balance of seeing people around you higher than yourself. That you don't have more of a reason that God would use you they have just as much right to be used by God that you do. Now comparison, comparison is an evil thing. Comparison will always leave you fighting to prove yourself. Comparison will always leave you empty because you're trying to prove th- something to someone that's around you. It makes us empty because we see something upon someone else's life or someone else's family or someone else's marriage or someone else's angel kids and we're like, man, what, what's going on with me? The only comparison that we're supposed to have in the Bible, according to the Bible, is we are compared to Christ. I don't compare myself to my neighbor, I don't compare myself to some preacher, some evangelist, some teacher, some super mom, some homeschool mom, I don't compare myself to someone else that I want to be like and then hurt myself that I'm not that person. The safest person to compare yourself to is Christ because he'll show you who you are, but he won't break you. He won't leave you there. He won't allow you to fall apart. You know, there's scriptures like in Colossians, when Paul writes, you know, in Christ all things are held together. I want you to think about this. Paul's writings are not just, are not, listen carefully, are not just Holy Spirit grabbing his hand and him writing. Paul's writings are things the Holy Spirit led him through. Paul's writings are things the Holy Spirit taught him. Now I want you to think about this, man. We we look at Paul and we're like, Paul, just a superhero of a man, like the holiest, strongest, greatest, most powerful Christian in the first church. But for some reason, we look at Paul this way, but the way Paul looked at himself is that he is the greater sinner that has been given the honor and the privilege to serve Christ, who is his Lord. And the more that we get into the latter part of Paul's life, he talks more about the magnitude and the greatness of Christ and the little guy that he is. You'd be shocked, some of the people that you look up to and some of the people that you might follow or some of the people who you might see on Instagram, what they actually feel behind the facade, what they actually feel behind the life that they show they live. I need to wrap this up. I've been given a right. And that right is Christ who died for me. Can God use you? He can. Does God want to use you? He does. Just like a man, just like an engineer, just like a designer or an architect does not make things just to make them. God did not make you just to allow you to sit and watch. God made you, that you would be actively involved with what he wants to do in your life, that you would be actively involved with what he wants to do through your life. There is no people that sit on the bench in God's kingdom. There's no people that watch from afar. God's people are, are to be used by him and only him. And God has given you a place If this is a church you're visiting or the church that you have decided to be a part of, God has given you a place. We will forever be busy preaching more messages and writing new songs to entertain those that come here if a person does not find their place. I don't have to be convinced to come to next service. I don't have to be convinced to come to the prayer. When a person discovers their place, they discover why they are here. I think maybe we are chasing people and we are going after people to be here and to be involved or to jump in somewhere. But when a person discovers the place that God has for them, you can stop chasing. They begin to chase God. There is nothing more fulfilling and nothing more satisfying. Thank God for the business. Thank God for the home. But when a person discovers their purpose in God, there is nothing that can take that place. Because a person begins to live for more than another paycheck, more than the next bill to pay, more than the next vacation to take. You will never be satisfied if you're living outside of God's purpose, but you can only discover God's purpose for you in Christ. What is it that he has for me? And what's so amazing about this is when I begin to discover my place in Christ, he has instituted, he has has already provided the power of the Holy Spirit upon my life in the place that he's called me to live in. Remember, when God placed Adam in the garden, Eden represented God's presence. It was from Eden that was the source of everything to the rest of the world, the rest of Adam's life. The Bible says that in Eden, there was a river that flowed and split into four streams going into the rest of the earth. I'm preaching fast, just hold on. And it went into the rest of the earth. The source is his presence, his spirit in my life that flows into every area of my life. And it's the ability that he gives me, he has enabled me through his spirit to be a minister of the new covenant. A new covenant that no one can break. A new covenant that Christ gave me the right to be a part of because of what he did and my belief in what he did. You could stand with me this morning. Right away, I want to invite any person. It's been a while since we've done this, but we felt that it would only be right at this service. To have an altar call. This last weekend I was a part of a service in Phoenix. We got to attend and, and witness for over a month now as our country has been closed. They have been doing services like nothing ever changed. Full altar calls, prayers for people, opportunity for people to get saved, people to be, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. to open this altar to any person this morning. Maybe this has been a season where you have seen everything wrong in your life. Everything that has been off in your life. Everything that has been going wrong in your life. The gospel is good news, my friend, and it's simple. Christ died for you on the cross. He took your place. The sins that were destroying you, he took upon his own body he was crucified and he died but he did not stay in the tomb he was raised back to life which means you don't just have forgiveness for your sin but a new life that God has promised you And this new life we receive when we accept Christ as our Lord Peter when he was preaching the first message in the book of Acts he said you must repent you must repent and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior when they asked him what shall we do Repentance is admitting the reality of our position right now and asking God from this position to forgive us and to make us a new person. The Bible says the man that calls on the name of the Lord, any person that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God saved me 12 years ago. He saved some that are here in attendance last year. God continues to save every person that calls on his name. You can't get right with God. Christ already did that for you, but you must receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've been following him and you've walked away or you've been stumbling in your walk after God, you've been stumbling in sin. This altar is for you to get right with God as we're gonna pray for you, as we're gonna worship. This is why we're here. And Father God, right now we pray for one another. We thank you for every person here. We thank you for those watching online and we pray, we pray for every listener in Jesus' mighty name, that those that are absent from you, those that are distant from you, those that don't know who you are, we ask you, God, that they would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe they've heard this message before, but we ask you, Holy Spirit, to do only what you can do. Draw men, draw men with your goodness this morning. Draw men with your good news this morning draw men with your kindness and your love, God, to receive, to receive your Son, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. And we pray it right now for any person, any person that's broken, any person that's lost, any person that has lost their way to be found this morning in Jesus' mighty name. You did not come for those that are well. You came for those that are sick, and you came to seek and save those that are lost and we pray any person lost this morning hearing this message that they would be found in Jesus mighty name you can come to the altar you can kneel if you're watching us online but begin to receive him receive him as your Lord and Savior repent from the place that you are don't stay there don't agree with it the devil is a liar and God has good news receive him and be free in Jesus mighty name where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom. You don't have to stay a slave. You don't have to stay a bond servant. You don't have to stay there where you are. Receive Christ and be set free. In Jesus' mighty name. me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord father right now as a church we pray for every person here in attendance and every person in our city God your spirit has come upon us and anointed us not just for us to be here and enjoy your presence but it's anointed us that we could preach your gospel. It's anointed us to heal the brokenhearted. It's anointed us to set at liberty those that are captive, to recover of sight to those that are blind. We thank you, Lord, so much that those that are oppressed can be free, that this year, not next year, this year, we proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and we declare over every person that might be captive, that might be oppressed, that might be afraid, we declare freedom in Jesus' mighty name. We declare liberty Liberty in Jesus' mighty name, we declare healing. In Jesus' name, the gospel is good news, and we declare freedom, we declare liberty, we declare recovery, we declare restoration, we declare sight, we declare your healing power to touch every person. In Jesus' mighty name,
1: victory belongs to him, to Jesus, victory Jesus. Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him. Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory.
0: keep saying let's go i have a place i have a purpose i've been given power come on again i have a place i have a purpose and i've been given power father we ask you that in this time that we live you would use your church like never before that we would not just be bystanders that we would not just be witnesses god that we would be your people that you use in this time that we get to live let your church shine like never before let your church walk in the authority that you have given to it the holy spirit is not just our comforter it's not just the one that leads us it's the power of god upon our life and we your church would be used in this time that we would discover who you are and the place that you have given us our purpose from you and the power upon our life use your church in this time like never before we shall not fear we shall not look to the right or to the left we fix our eyes upon the author and the finisher of our faith Jesus Christ and we thank you that which you started you promised to finish and we bless We bless one another. We bless this church that you are the head of. God, may you be glorified in this season. May you be, God, glorified in this season. Use your church. We, God, give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you, God. Come on, lift a shout of praise. Lift a shout of praise.